today, to all the moms who are able to be here today and those who are joining us online. We honor you and ask the Lord to bless you. Uh, and may you be blessed through your children and through your family uh, as well. Uh, our time this morning uh, in God's Word is a message uh, for all of us, but in particular for uh, our moms. Being a mother is both a gift from God and a unique privilege that uh, he gives. Uh, I begin uh, where the Bible begins this morning in the book of Genesis. So if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1, uh, we see here that God is the creator. God is the creator. Now that might seem very simplistic for us who are believers, but uh, we need to be reminded of these basic truths if we're to understand even the rest of Scripture as it unfolds. We see here in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So everything that exists comes from God uh, himself. The Bible would be very clear that God created the world, the universe, you and me and everything that exists out of nothing. Uh, he didn't merely just assemble things that were already there and sort of put them in an order. He's actually spoke it into existence by his word. The rest of chapter 1 uh, would indicate that. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there, let there be waters under the sky, verse 9. God said, let there be lights in the expanse, and so on. Everything that you and I see in this physical realm, God spoke it into existence. He is the originator. He is the creator of all things. He also created human beings. And verse 26 of chapter 1 says, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So when God came to the sixth day and he created a human, man, he did so and placed upon humans something that no other creature has as an image bearer of God. And notice this, that verse 28 continues, and that is true for both man and woman, male and female. It's not like it's just limited to, to man, Adam, but it's true for both the male and the female that he made. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase or multiply in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living creature that moves on the ground. Uh, and when God created Adam and he created Eve, uh, the first humans, he gave them dominion over this world. He used them as uh, those who would care for his creation as he put them in a garden uh, to care and to tend for that. And part of God's desire for them was to reproduce, uh, to have children. And so God set in motion the, the, the idea 
of being able to reproduce. And you will note here that uh, God commanded Adam and Eve to, to have children. Verse 31 says, God saw all that he made and it was very good. Um, and so everything God made was very good in his original creation. Now when you come to chapter 2 of Genesis, uh, you have once again the detail of the creation of, of man, once again, but a little bit more detail. If you look with me at verse 7, we read, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, a living soul. See, that's what sets us apart from other creatures. They have existence and they have conscience, but they don't have a, a, a soul as do human beings. The very breath of God in them, the very life of God in them. And so God planted this garden and told Adam then to tend this garden, and he could eat freely of that garden, as you know, except for, for the one tree. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says that the day that you eat of that, you will surely die, verse uh, 17. So Adam's there in the garden. He's, he's uh, naming the animals as God gave him that uh, responsibility. And there was no helpmate. There was no partner for, for Adam that was suitable. Now go back to the first chapter where it says he created the male and female in his image and told them to reproduce. God saw that among all the other things that he created, there was not a suitable mate for him in order to fulfill that command. So what did God do? Verse 18, it says, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Verse 19, The Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would name them. Verse uh, 21, uh, 20 ends, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed it up, uh, the place in the flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And it's interesting, Matthew Henry, I believe, was the uh, Puritan writer who commented on this, that notice where God took uh, this part of Adam to make his wife. He didn't take it from his head so that he could, that she could rule over him, nor from his, her, his feet so that she could be under him, but from his ribs so that he could be by her side. So he created woman. And notice this, when God brought the woman to the man, verse 23 says, the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. When we read that, and it's sort of poetic, and it is, we don't, we don't really catch the, 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 the intent behind the Hebrew in that. When, when, Moses, when, when Adam saw Eve for the first time, he went, wow! That's what's, that's what's captured in that. It wasn't just sort of this hum-ho, oh, here's bone of my bone, flesh of my It's like, wow! And notice this, uh, even in these opening words of Genesis chapter 2, we see that God sets, even in his divine order, marriage. Verse 24, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. 
verse 25 says that the man and his wife were both naked and knew no shame. So in God's original creation, in his original creating of Adam and Eve, there was this relationship with God that was perfect and with one another that was perfect. And we say, well, why isn't our world and our lives perfect? Well, chapter 3 indicates that sin entered the world. Uh, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, and the result was that sin entered the world. And God's divine order is for a man and a woman to marry, uh, and in that context, to have children, according to his original creation. And the most basic unit of any society is the home and the family. But sin entered the world and was then passed along uh, from Adam and Eve to all of their children, all of their descendants, which includes you and me. Because they had disobeyed uh, the Lord uh, in his original command. And this brought a curse. Look at uh, chapter 3 and verse uh, 16 with me. To the woman, he says, I will greatly increase your pain in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. And your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So there was a judgment that fell on, on Eve as a result of disobedience. But she wasn't the only one that God judged in this disobedient act. So did Adam. Because you have listened to your wife and have taken from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles, and you eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since you were taken out of the dust, you are to return to the dust. And so sin entered the world, and so did death. Scripture would indicate to us that the wages of sin is death. The reason why people and humanity uh, is subject to death is because sin is in the world. Now, God made provision, though, for Adam and Eve. I, I skipped over verses 14 and 15. Notice this. Um, in this whole um, temptation and finally succumbing to sin, there was another character that was a part of this, Satan, depicted here as a serpent, and he was also judged by God. Verse 14 says, Cursed are you above all the livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. But note this in verse 15. Here is the first reference to God doing something to bring about a remedy, a solution, a, a, a fixing of what had become broken by sin. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Now it's kind of interesting because God says that the woman would bring forth an offspring, a seed, who would one day crush the serpent's head. And that is the first proclamation of the gospel that looked forward 4,000 plus years to the coming of the one known as Jesus the Messiah. Because God chose Mary, who was a mother, who became the one who conceived in her womb by the Holy Spirit, the very Son of God, who became man. See, that was God's uh, plan from the very beginning to provide uh, a redemption for those who had sinned against him. Um, 
You'll notice here that, that God makes a provision for Adam and Eve as well. Remember, they covered themselves with fig leaves, trying to cover their shame when they had sinned. They had a sense of guilt and, and shame over having been disobedient to God. They tried by their own works, sewing together fig leaves to cover their nakedness and their shame, but that wouldn't do. God provided them with covering, and you will note with me that he covered them with animal skins. That would suggest to you and me that there was animals that had to die in order for their skins to be used as clothing. There again, another picture of the salvation God would bring through a sacrifice. And we're told in Scripture that Jesus Christ came to give his life as a sacrifice and as a ransom uh, for many. Now, uh, you might say, well, what does this have to do uh, with um, Mother's Day? Well, I want you to note with me that God's divine order was for Adam and Eve to have children. Sin entered the world, but it didn't negate that command, that original command God had gave. In fact, all of humanity is subject to God's divine order. We say sometimes in theology that this is a creation ordinance. A creation ordinance goes all the way back to the beginning and is binding on all of humanity since it has its origins in God himself. And as a result, God determines and defines human life, how it is to be lived, first in relationship to God, then in relationship to each other. And our first parents, Adam and Eve, failed. And so has every person since. But the Bible tells us that from Genesis 3.15 onward, God is working out his plan of salvation, which he would accomplish through the incarnation of his son, Jesus Christ. By virtue of his perfect life, his death in place of all sinners, and his resurrection and ascension to his own right hand, and including his second coming, God provided us with a salvation to remedy that which is wrong with ourselves and with humanity as a whole. So my question this morning is, is Jesus your Savior and your Lord? Have you personally, in your heart, by faith, called out to God to save you from your sins, to cleanse you, to forgive you, to make you right with God. The Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. So every sin we've ever committed, every sin we will ever commit, has already been covered by the blood of Christ if you're in Him. And that comes about by faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Him, acknowledging Him, living for Him as your Savior and as your Lord. Only in Christ are our sins forgiven and the ability to live rightly related to God and others, others possible. The only way that we can live out a divine ordinance or any command of God is to be in Christ, to have that new life, that forgiveness, and that enablement that comes through Him. That being established that God is the creator, notice with me also the gift of mothers. The gift of mothers. God has bestowed upon the woman alone the honor and the privilege of motherhood. As I was, I was, I was writing that statement, I started to think about that and I wondered why. 
And I, I came to the conclusion is because men can't conceive and bear children and we wouldn't be able to handle it. Any attempt to try to change this divine order set by God is a further rebellion on the part of humanity and invites his judgment against it. So but why did God uh, choose the woman to bear children? He knew that they would have the strength to do it. I think that's one of the reasons. He knew that they would have the strength to do it. Note with me again in Genesis chapter 4, Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant. Kind of interesting, that phrase, became pregnant, the Hebrew root for that means to be with child. And it's consistent throughout the entirety of the Old Testament that a, when a woman is with child, she is pregnant. And notice this, when she gave birth to this one that was in her womb, Cain, her firstborn, she says, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And, and I would suggest to you that there's, there's two ideas in that statement that she made when Cain was born. One is that she had the physical strength from God to be able to bring this child into the world through childbirth. But also there's the possibility that you remember God said that the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman would crush Satan's head. That maybe she thought immediately with the birth of this child that the Savior, the one that would, would remedy things, would come on the scene. Well, as, as we know that that just wasn't the case. Because later we're told in that same verse, uh, she later gave birth to her brother Abel. Um, and just so you know, we're not going to go into the text further, but from that statement onward, they're, they're, they're between those two statements uh, of Abel, Cain and Abel being born and Abel being the keeper of flocks, a lot of time has passed. Would you not agree? It takes a long time for a baby to go from, from the day of their birth to be able to tend flocks. And I, only, I only bring that up because Genesis hasn't given us every single detail that we might have as questions. Like one of the questions is, well, where did Cain and Abel get their wives? Where did where, Cain get his wife? The, the Bible tells us that, that Adam and Eve, after Cain and Abel, had other sons and daughters. So where did they come from? From Adam and Eve. And they, they became then the, the wives and the spouses of their children. But... but Eve conceiving and having a baby was, was a wonderful work of God. And you know that that is true even to this very day. Look with me, if you would, at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Look at verse 13 with me. Here the psalmist is giving praise to God for his, his knowledge, his, his presence, his help. And then he begins to praise God at verse 13 for this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That would suggest to you and me that in the process of a child being developed in the womb of its mother, that God is active, and cre active in the creating and forming of human life. And it's not, true of, it's not only true of just believing people, it's true of all of humanity. 
We, we talk sometimes about childbirth as being the miracle of birth. It really is. And notice what he says here. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that? Do you know that God created you uniquely as an individual with the personality, the understanding, the mind, the body, and everything that you have? He made you to be who you are. And the only way that you realize your, 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 your value and your worth is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That you can become what God desires you to be through Christ. And notice this. He says here, continuing, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Notice this. Your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God saw the end result. And God wove you and wove me and wove every human being together in the womb of the woman who bore you, your mom. It's kind of interesting that Jesus made a statement about childbirth. He was using it as an illustration. He was using it to describe what he would face in terms of his suffering shortly on the cross and, and the resurrection that would follow. But notice with me in John 16, 21, this word, this, this illustration Jesus uses. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. You ladies who have had children or you husbands who know the, the experience of your wife having a child, that, that when labor pains come on, it's an indication that, that the child is about to be born. And sometimes that can be very painful, uh, no pun intended, labor-intensive. You know, I mean, it it's, 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 can be very difficult and painful to, to give birth to a child. And Jesus here is declaring that. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but... When her baby is born, she forgets the anguish for her joy that a child has been born into the world. See, once the child has uh, arrived and, and is born, the, 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 the pain of childbirth is, is overridden with the joy. There's great joy when a child is born. There's great joy when a person announces, a woman announces that she's going to have a baby. There's, there's birth announcements. Uh, we have reveal parties. We have baby showers where there's a celebration because a new life is about to, to come uh, into the world uh, through birth. Moms, you've been given a great gift by God to have children. God has given you the capacity to nurture and to care for children, to care for your child. And someone has indicated that the bond between a mother and child is greater than any other bond that can exist. Did you know that it's, a study has been done that even those who are incarcerated uh, for whatever crime they may have committed, that those who are in jail try to make it an effort always to try and call their moms on Mother's Day or send them a card. Because there's something about the, the bond between a mother and a child and God has put that within you that is unique to you. In fact, uh, Proverbs 31 uh, gives us a little snapshot uh, of, 
a virtuous woman. Uh, it, it explains her activities even in relationship to her children. And notice what it says here uh, in, um, in verse um, 10 through 31. You can look at this. Uh, it's a description of a wife and a mother. And you'll notice here that this woman here does all kinds of things. Buys property, sometimes makes clothes, uh, provides for her household. She speaks wisdom. She watches over the affairs of her household. In other words, this description of the, the virtuous woman, this wife and this mother, shows that a woman, particularly a wife and a mother, is no slouch. God has put within her the ability to do these great things in providing. Now, not every woman will be able to do everything that is detailed here. But God has given that capacity to you, ladies in particular, through what he has put within you as he created you uh, to be a woman. Mothers, you are gifted by God not only to bear children, but to care for them, to raise them, to teach them, to prepare them for life. And so God's order is for this to happen within the family context. So what should be our response? What are, what are we to do? Well, first I think that it would be incumbent upon us to accept God's order for motherhood. That God has created women to bear children. Secondly, we need to admit, not just ladies, but all of us really, our need for the Savior Jesus Christ. Because the only way that we can live out the purpose God originally set in place in His creation is to be made new through Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we need to praise God for our children. Whether you have a child or many children, you need to thank God for the children that you have. Fourthly, we need to acclaim our moms. Did you know that the word acclaim means to, to praise enthusiastically and publicly? We need to acclaim moms and affirm motherhood. So thank you, moms. We love you. We thank God for you. And in fact, look at Proverbs chapter 31, verse 28. It says, referring to this virtuous woman, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Dads, do you praise your wife for being the mother of your children? Do you, do you affirm them in that? Do you acclaim them in that? Do you praise them for that? Do you thank them for that? Notice verse 29 says, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her words bring her works bring her praise at the city gate. I came across this quote here last night and I thought I would share it with you from the Moody Bible uh, commentary about this idea of praising your wife, praising the mother of your children. I thought this was really interesting and maybe this would be an incentive for us husbands, us men, to praise the mother of our children. It's, the uh, author writes this. 
uh, in these final words of Proverbs, the writer there says that she is the most excellent of all excellent wives, the rarest of all jewels. Just stop right there. Men, do you treasure your wives that way? As the rarest of all jewels? As the most excellent in your life? Now here's the thing that he said. In many observant Jewish homes today, it is customary on Friday evening, the beginning of the Sabbath, for the husband to stand and recite or sing this blessing over his wife. What I just read to you in Proverbs. A lovely custom indeed, acknowledging her worth to him, the family, and the community. So men, here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn to sing these words. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Okay, everybody? Char no. <laughs> no. Men, we have an obligation as well as children uh, to honor uh, our wives being our, the mother of our children. And children, you have an obligation to honor your parents. The fifth commandment says, honor your father and your mother. Exodus 20 and verse 12. And lest we forget, the Lord had made sure that it was repeated in the New Testament. Ephesians 6 and verse 2 saying and repeating that same command and those same words, lest we forget. So on this uh, Mother's Day, let's honor uh, our mothers. How can we do that? Well, if our mothers are still uh, with us, we can pray for them. That God would continue to work in their lives, to bless them, that they know Christ and that they follow Him. We are to obey our moms. Listen to their teaching. Listen to their instruction. We're to help our moms. Help her around the house and what she asks you to do. Um, that's one way you can honor her. And then thank her as we do today. Be sure to honor your mother today. And if your mom has uh, since passed on, uh, remember her memory with thankfulness to God for the mother that you have had uh, in your life. Would you join with me in a closing prayer? Father, thank you for this time together in your word this morning. Thank you again for each of our moms. We thank you, Jesus, that uh, you have placed us in the families and in the settings that you have ordained for us as our lives began and we come into this world. We pray, Father, that your blessing would be upon each of the mothers today, that they would sense your presence, Lord, that they would be well-loved and honored. And Lord, may we do that well, not just today, but ongoing, every day, being thankful for the mothers that you have given us. And Lord, for those who are ladies who have not had children, we pray your blessing on them as well as they still have that 
desire, that nurture, that care, the, the temperaments, Lord, that, that are unique to women in that caring for children. And so thank you, Lord, for how you have used women in the lives of others to be that mother figure and presence and help. We praise you for them as well. And so, Father, we give ourselves to you. May we put into practice your word, not in our own strength, but that which you supply through Jesus Christ and the power of your spirit. And Lord, we will give you thanks and continued worship and praise because you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.